Well, the UK is definitely having a hard time of it. The central bank is buying up more bonds. The IMF has dissed their budget. And if there was an election right now, there wouldn't be many Tory MPs left. So everything there is on shaky ground. There's a bit more investment in China, but could the recovery be curtailed not by COVID, but by a lack of trust from the West? And on the home front, the gap between consumer confidence and business confidence is widening. So who's right? And US consumer inflation expectations fall a little. What do they know that we don't know? It's Wednesday, the 12th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another crazy session in the UK bond markets. 30-year yields rose 11 basis points, up to 4.83% at one stage. Only back a little from that now. Even with more intervention for the Bank of England, elsewhere, smallish moves, although 10-year treasuries are up 6 basis points, down 4 basis points for 10-year German bond yields. The US dollar was down more than half percent on the DXY index, but it's back on the rise again now. The Aussie that was climbing a little, it's now half percent down, down at 62.7 US cents. The pound down 0.6%. The euro is up a tiny bit. And stocks were on the rise in the US, but a complete turnaround in the last hour before close. The Dow up 0.1%, but all the rest, well, a fall. A 0.7% fall in the S&P 500, a 1.1% drop in the Nasdaq. Consumer staples doing the best there up 1%. IT doing the worst, down 1.5%. And chip makers doing particularly badly, like Taiwan Semiconductors, down 6%. And a connection to China certainly doesn't help either. Alibaba, down down 4.8%, whilst Amazon was doing well earlier. It was up uh, well over 1%, but falling like everyone else in that last hour and down 1.3% at close. And oil is well down. We've got a 2.7% drop in WTI and Brent down 2.6%, well below $94 now. Let's hope that doesn't mean yet more cuts from OPEC+. Plus. Incidentally, the Wall Street Journal is reporting today that Joe Biden had asked the Saudis to delay any oil production cuts and they were ignored and now as the wall street journal puts it the u.s officials are looking for ways to punish riyadh it's democracy versus autocracies isn't it that really is that a story that's coming to the surface every day now but the biggest news of the moment is probably the bank of england what happened there today dipping into bond buying again nabs ken crompton joins me from sydney so it's not just 30-year bonds they're buying now they're also buying up index linked bond bonds to try and help save those pension funds so 30 year index linked bonds got up over one and a half percent not far off double where they were towards the end of last week tell us about all of that yeah morning phil it's certainly not too much of a surprise that the BOE has had to extend their support operations into the index like index linked market i think um that is a that 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 there are a lot of holdings of, of these pension funds in the, in the gilt market, uh, index gilt market, because obviously it's a good fit for their liabilities, obviously. And um, yeah, some of the because moves they're supposedly really... safe. <laughs> well, yes, and again, I guess that's that's sort of the the, the issue. Um, I mean, obviously they provide you good um, long run cash flow protection from inflation, but in the mean, in the near term, some of these swings in the valuations from where the yield moves have been eye watering. Mm. You know, it was only early last week that um, gilt yields or ten year gilt yields started to trade positive or above zero for the first time in uh, you know in, in, in well over a decade and now on Monday's close they closed at 1.23% so mm. a uh, 100, 100 point um, sell off there now the the BOE had already started to include gilt index linked gilts in those in that repo facility they announced on Monday night um, but now yes yeah, they've added uh, a specific index linked gilt limit to the uh, the actual purchase program for the rest of this week and this all just really relates to I mean it obviously all came from quasi quotation 
Tang's budget. There's absolutely no confidence now, is there, in the in in the UK's uh, from, from the from the money markets? No confidence in the Chancellor and the government from the money markets or from the general public. So if you look at the uh, the UK government's approval rating now: seventy percent disapprove of them, thirteen percent approve, seventeen percent don't know. And if that's not bad enough, this is the latest YouGov survey: fifty eight percent of Conservative voters don't approve of the Conservative government, even though they voted for them. If there was an election now, there'd only be a handful of seats going over to the Tories. So we can expect something is going to change uh, unless Kwasi Kwarteng pulls out a miracle budget at the end of the month. But nobody is expecting that. So all of this uncertainty that we're seeing, it's just going to continue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly the the, yeah, the, the, the markets is sort of a bit split in this in some ways. I mean, even with the indexing gilts being part of the buying operations last night, I think the take-up was a little bit over $1 billion of the $5 billion that was being offered. And the overall $10 billion purchase program still remains mm. pretty well undersubscribed. But I think it's just the, uh, you know, it's it's the psychological backstop of having a, a program in place that I think the market is really after. And I guess, and, and that's what you could see by the reaction when the, the end of the program is confirmed. And, and that's still the case, even with those expansions last night, the actual outright buying is still going to end on Friday. So it, it is sort of a bit of a paradox that, you know, it's not being taken up much, but the market you know, but, but the market is, is valuing it. So, and, you know, the, the, the points you've pointed to there with, um, you know, so the, the actual sort of fiscal program underlying this increased issuance, that, that's the difficulty for the BOE. They're not necessarily going to want to stand in the way of um, sort of fundamental repricing of debt, but to the extent it's a panicked fire sale to, uh, you know, to, to meet margin calls on uh, on LDI derivatives, that is a, you know, that, that is a problem. So they're trying to, to sort of fill it Well, doesn't it, doesn't it make it, doesn't it make, sort of makes it worse, doesn't it? It's on the, you know, we because it you know it does look as though the Bank of England is 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 panicking a bit, and then we had the IMF uh, as well saying today you know they're getting criticism from everywhere. The IMF saying uh, you know that the, they don't approve of the, uh, the the government tax cuts. They say they're going to it's going to speed up the pace of inflation. Forecasting UK inflation is going to reach eleven point three percent by the end of, of next year. And meanwhile, you've got a government there saying well, we're going for growth, we're going for growth, and yet unemployment fell. <laughs> to three and a half percent in the three months to August, from three point eight percent in the previous quarter, they've now got the lowest unemployment level since nineteen seventy four. So that's just going to add a, t- a tight labour market. Uh, surely, as you know, that's just going to add to the resolve of, of the Bank of England and and keep on pushing those inflation expectations up. It's not looking good. Yeah, because I guess across that sort of suite of la- UK labour market data overnight, yeah, it sort of ranged from sort of being very, very strong to showing a, a few cracks around the edges. I mean, you know, there was obviously overall employment growth did, uh, sorry, overall employment levels did drop a little bit, but then, you know, the, the claimants base measure was still strong. So, you know, you, you can argue there's mm. a, a, a few cracks around the edges, but arguably it's not quite what we're seeing in terms of US jolts or US jolts um, sort of openings drop or anything like that. So there's still yeah, still still some fundamental strength there and, and that, that's the challenge for the for the BOE. And I guess that's why we have um, you know, why we have such aggressive rate hikes still priced in there, uh, about 100 points priced in or, or a little bit more, in fact, for the um, for, for the UK's next yeah, meeting, yeah, so yeah. BOE's next meeting. The other thing is, you know, we had the retail numbers from the British Retail Consortium, the, their sales monitor for September showed 1.8% growth year on year. So, you know, still that resilience as well. Wherever you, wherever you look, you know, it's uh, it's it's a, it's it's a complicated picture, that's for sure. Uh, look, we are seeing things improve in China as well. A big increase in new yuan loans in September, 2.4 trillion yuan, up from one2 
2 trillion in August that is quite a leap some of that is housing but the lion's share is actually corporate loans because the of course they cut the uh, the one year prime rate and the five year rate uh, so uh, people are investing in China which has to be a, a, a good sign doesn't it I mean particularly for Australia I would have thought yeah I mean certainly you're still sort of stuck in that paradox there of, of the zero COVID policy which is going to be you know a, a significant drag on the, on the longer sort of even the medium or longer term prospects if that isn't eased but that credit data for, for China you know new yeah, new loans and, um, and yeah, coming in a little bit better than expected overnight. That that is certainly a, you know a, a positive. I think that um, yeah. One thing we do see in Australian fixed income markets is that there is a bit of an indirect link through to the through to the China story. You know, I'm not expecting a you know a necessarily a huge move on this one data point overnight, but certainly in, in terms of the outlook, it, it it is encouraging. But I think some movement on um, um movement on some of the policies around zero COVID is going to be a more significant factor. And I mean, obviously, the other thing for Australia in terms of um, your commodity exports is whether a um is sort of a, an investment um. Investment stimulus program does get going over there, and that still seems to be the thing that is different to previous cycles in China at, at this point. So the, uh, you know, the the boost for commodity exporters from a, from, from Australia is not necessarily as as, as clear yet. Yeah, and and the question of whether we come out of all of this the way we went in, or whether actually the you know the link is as strong because uh, you know I, I mentioned uh, the relationship between the US and the Saudis. Obviously, China is another question, and we had um, you know just how cl- close ties are going to be with China in the future. So, for example, overnight, the head of UK's cyber intelligence agency. Uh, said, uh, you know, he was worried about China's investment in satellite technology, saying that they see technology as uh, as the as the battleground for control, for values, for influence. Uh, and he said China sees uh, countries as either potential adversaries or potential client states to be threatened, bribed, or coerced. This is from a UK official. So it's uh, you know the uh, you know it's changing, isn't it? Just the whole uh, political picture is changing, and uh, and that's going to change. The, the the trade pattern as we as we come out of covid and uh, move you know move to the next chapter so that's all concerning but let's uh, look closer to home uh, that gap between business confidence and consumer confidence we talked about it yesterday has it widened well it looks like it has because consumer confidence uh, is still falling, isn't it? But the NAB business survey yesterday showed business conditions actually racing ahead. Yeah, that disparity continues to open. I mean, uh, f- we've had the con- consumer confidence or consumer sentiment report that was down, what, 0.97%, so below 84. So, yeah, f- f- further declines there. Meanwhile, you know, business conditions up um, up a further three points to, to 25. So that actually gets us back above the pre-COVID peak on the, on the NAB business conditions from that survey. Um, yeah, and sort of, I know... N- Interestingly, I guess sort of as you'd expect and maybe pointing towards how the gaps in these two indices are potentially going to close is that what we did see was that, um, you know, business conditions are very strongly, but, um, you know, sort of the, um, the, the, the outlook indicator there, you know, up not quite, um, you know, not, not quite as much. And we have been doing a, a fair bit of, a bit of a look at, um, you know, exactly how these, Two things are, you know, are being um, are being pulled apart, and one of the factors is just simply the nature of the survey. In that, um, you know, consumer sentiment surveys tend to be sort of more medium or, or longer term looking. You know, asking about um, your sort of your un- un- unemployment unemployment prospects, those sort of things. So that on those measures, um, households and businesses actually agree that the labour market is looking relatively relatively tight. But um, the interesting thing with that consumer sentiment survey yesterday, in particular was that there was a big disparity between those people who were surveyed 
before the RBA decided to mm. do a, uh, a, a smaller rate cut versus those who would have, who were surveyed after. So, right. so which way did it turn? Were they happy because it wasn't half a percent, or were they worried that it wasn't enough and uh, and, and that that meant inflation was getting out of control? I would imagine that consumers would just be thinking about their mortgage, wouldn't they? Well, that, that that would seem to be the case to a to a large extent. So, um, you know, confidence for those who were surveyed after the RBA's decision was five percent higher than confidence in those who were surveyed before. So, the mm. the net difference was uh, <laughs> yeah, it was nearly fifteen percent between those two samples. So, interestingly, that you know, that does certainly confirm that um that the, the people are hearing or what what the RBA is saying, or at least are paying attention to what their bank is saying in terms of how their mortgage um you know, sort of mortgage interest rates are changing. Uh, you know, so that's um, th- that is interesting data point in itself. Um, but you know, but we are still seeing significant concern there about about longer run inflation by consumers. But I mean, the yeah. the other thing too is that um, you know, sort of unemployment prospects in the on the consumer side of the survey those ticked up a little bit, but still remain very low. So, I guess to, to the extent that people may be willing to to run down um, what what stock of savings they have, if you're very confident that you're not going to lose your lose your job, that that sort of does. Does sort of help sustain some of that uh, that spending? I would, I would argue. Is, is any of this reflecting what we've seen in the Aussie dollar? Because the Aussie dollar obviously had a bad start to the week, wasn't it? It was down quite a bit, and then today it's up, uh, but it's not up by by as much as the, the the US dollar fell. If you see what I mean, so it's 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 taking a bit of a bit of time to recover. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we're we're just stuck around sixty, you know, in that that low sixty three mark, aren't we? Yeah, not not much moving around that zone at this point. So I mean, yesterday's data did. Just to generate a little bit of volatility around the release times, but I think the the broader global factors are, are still the major driver there, and that that that's why that's why we're holding in this relatively tight range at the moment. I, I think. So. Yeah. Okay. And let's look at the US because that obviously does drive so much of all of this. The uh, so, but there hasn't been a lot of news, has there? I mean, we had the the small business, the NFIB small business uh, lack of optimism survey that went a bit higher from ninety one point six to ninety two point one. No great shake, shakes there. Uh, the New York uh, Fed survey of consumer inflation expectations for the year ahead. Well, that fell slightly. It, you know, it's still at 5.4%, though. But for three years, the expectations rose. So has that influenced market pricing in any way in terms of uh, rate expectations? Well, I think the, the big move in, in Treasuries overnight was was largely down. I mean, we went into the session late yesterday. It was also the end of the local session yesterday. 10-year Treasuries around 4%. We're down sort of sub 3.9% now. So um, probably not too much direct influence, but it certainly does sort of play into the, into the broader story of um, of rate hikes gaining a, a reasonable amount of traction with consumers. And I mean, even though, as you just said, the three-year number in the in on, in that New York Fed survey rose a little bit, um, yeah, that that's on the back of some sort of fairly rapid declines and leaves it um, sort of relatively consistent with where some other surveys are printing. So, no significant level of concern from that uh, fr- fr- from that move there. Um, yeah, I mean, Fed um, yeah, Fed commentary does remain, you know, consistently. Hawkish, I think we had. Um, you yeah. know, Same yeah, Loretta Mestre out overnight, yeah. remaining as hawkish as everyone else. Um, yeah, we did get the FOMC minutes today, so um, no sort of specific expectations on, on what we're looking for there. But I mean, other than maybe sort of getting a, you know, a, a bit of a better feel for, for sort of how robust the discussion might have been about um, uh, you know, about the size of the move they ultimately decided on, but. 
um, you know, not expecting too many dovish mm. signals in there. And in fact, they're probably going out of their way to avoid giving dovish signals. I would, um, I would argue, given what's happened in, in some yeah. previous months. So, US PPI, I guess that would be the uh, the, the main statistics of interest from the US today. Wouldn't yeah, it? Few, uh, I mean, it's not as um, commonly watched as as the CPI, obviously, but um, you know, it'll, it'll get a little bit of interest. Um, just sort of showing where that some of those sort of supply chain cost pressures are. I think um, you know, sort of the survey sort of final demand PPI is about point two, so back on the increase after um, after last month. But um, yeah, but just sort of food and energy are adding a bit of volatility to, to that measure as well. So I mean, the the main event really is going to be CPI tomorrow night, obviously. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, and but you know, PPI today at least it's something to distract us from the UK for a while because we do get. I mean, there's they've got a load of numbers there. So if there's uncertainty in the UK, just throw a whole load of numbers. Added, just to add to that, because we get their trade balance, we get industrial and manufacturing production uh, and uh, UK GDP as well. So have they got growth, growth, growth? The answer is no, 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 because it's expected to flatline month on month. And Andrew Bailey, I think, is going to talk as well. I mean, he has been talking. He's made impromptu public appearances the last couple of days explaining why they're buying bonds. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what he has to say today. And also Christine Lagarde from the ECB. Remember them? Uh, mm. They're talking as well today. So there's uh, there's lots going on and in the next 24 hours. Worth mentioning too, ahead of all that, we do have have the uh, RBA Assistant Governor Lucy Ellis speaking this morning as well. Mm. So her speech is um, titled uh, the, the Neutral Rate, or it's going to be about the neutral rate. So that, that'll be of, <laughs> of, of, of great interest, at least to the to the academic economists, at least. This is a bit of a read to, to what the RBA is thinking on that, maybe whether they've updated some of their models around um, around where neutral rate sits and, and what that might mean for where the RBA is going to get to. At the moment, the market's pricing a peak rate of about 3.9, which would imply a, um, you know, a, a neutral rate around 2. Um, so so we'll see. Um, so we'll see whether the mm. RBA itself thinks it is that high. Maybe it's higher, which the would neutral, be a surprise. It should but, be uh, really full title should be the neutral rate and what is it today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> given it's a bit of a moving feast, isn't it? Anyway, I'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Ken. Good to have you on again. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. So there we go. Who'd want to be quasi Quitang right now? You've got a few weeks to try and make all those numbers stack up. Uh, that's it for today. That's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.